0: Hello and welcome to You, Me and the Economy. As the country celebrates 75 years of independence this month, we have come a long way in terms of economic growth and industrialization. But has this translated into providing a good standard of living to every citizen? This is a question we must ask. My name is Kavita Kabir and here is your weekly roundup of Economy and Finance. The RBI has approved the sale of government and LIC's stake in the IDBI bank. The Reserve Bank of India has given its note to the government on structuring the IDBI's stake sale, allowing non-financial institutions and non-regulated entities to own more than 40% of IDBI bank. The Union Government and Life Insurance Corporation are looking to sell 51-74% to 74% stake in the lender through the strategic divestment process. While the move to divest government and LIC stakes in the IDBI bank was on the cards for some time, the recent developments come close on the heels of IDBI registering profits, reduction in its NPAs, and growth in loans. Although categorized as a private sector bank by RBI, since 2019, after LIC acquired 51% stakes in it, the bank is run as per the public sector rules, including giving reservations and other public sector employee benefits. Several organizations, including the All India Bank Officers Association and IDBI Employees Forum, have been vocal against the government's move to sell its stake in IDBI. NCLT is overburdened with cases and it is affecting the recovery of bad loans. The number of pending cases before the various benches of the national company law tribunal stood at over 20,000 in May, while it faces a shortage of members. Citing the vacant post, NCLT said it will only hear urgent cases through video conferencing in its 15 benches across the country until further orders. The NCLT is a body that has been established under Section 408 of the Companies Act 2013. It was initially mandated to look at schemes of arrangement under Section 230-232 of the But after the introduction of insolvency and bankruptcy code, IBC matters have also fallen under the NCLT remit. Out of the total cases, 13,000 pending cases relate to the IBC, while the remaining deal with company law. The huge volume of pending cases means that cases pertaining to large unpaid loans remain hanging in the balance for a long time. This reflects in the latest recovery figures of bad loans and ultimately helps predator corporates. As per the data compiled by the Insolvency and Bankruptcy Board of India, cumulative recovery for lenders where resolution took place dropped to just 32.9% till March 2022. This was from 35.9% from September 2021. Climate Finance Report shows India is way behind. Can a shift to inequality-sensitive finance be a solution? Climate Policy Initiative in its report titled Landscape of Green Finance in India has claimed that the tracked green finance in financial year 2020 was around rupees 3 lakh crore per annum, which is less than a fourth of India's needs. This report estimates that for India to achieve its nationally determined contributions under the Paris Agreement, the country requires approximately Rs 162.5 lakh crore from 2015 to 2030, or roughly Rs. 11 lakh crore per year. Domestic sources continue to account for the majority of green finance, contributing 83% in financial year 2020. Of these domestic sources, the private sector contributed about 59%. Public sector flows were evenly distributed between government budgetary spends and PSUs at approximately 54% and 46% respectively. International finance counted for merely 17% of total climate finance. The figures highlight that developing countries like India need to spend more as well as allocate more resources to green finance. Resources for climate finance need to be generated, taking into account historical and present inequities. The rich countries and wealthy industrialists in developing countries have harmed the environment much more and thus should be suitably taxed to generate resources for climate finance. Does anyone want electricity at the cost of their lives? This is the question residents of Okla are dealing with. Plants are underway to expand the capacity of the already hazardous Okla waste-to-energy plant. The waste-to-energy plant in Okla has been operating since 2012 and claims to have been an ideal solution to manage Delhi's increasing waste. However, the plant's track record when it comes to following pollution norms has been dismal and it has had virtually no effect on Delhi's burgeoning waste dump sites. Also, waste-to-energy plants release a number of pollutants of which dioxin and mercury are of particular concern because they can cause reproductive and development problems, damage to the immune system, hormonal interference and cancer. These chemicals also persist in the environment and bioaccumulate. An inspection conducted in September 2020 revealed that the Okla to Energy plant was releasing dioxins and furin 890% more than the permitted amounts. The residents have also complained of increasing respiratory illnesses, cancer cases and skin diseases over the years. The odor and noise pollution from the plant has forced several residents to leave their places. In 2021, Delhi's three waste-to-energy plants in Okla, Narila Bhavana, and Ghazipur were fined Rs. 5 lakh each by the DPCC for failing to meet prescribed environmental norms. Earlier in 2017, the National Green Tribunal had levied a fine of 25 lakhs on the Okla waste-to-energy plant, specifically for violations. Despite multiple failures, the government continues to fund waste-to-energy plants as it is easy to view them as quick-fix solution. In fact, waste-to-energy plants are very capital-intensive and they cannot function without subsidies and grants from the central and state governments. The Ministry of New and Renewable Energy launched the program on energy from Urban Industrial Agriculture Waste and Municipal Solid Waste in 2012. In 2019, municipal waste-based projects were included in the scheme. Under this program, Waste-to-Energy projects are eligible for receiving central financial assistance up to Rs 5 crore per megawatt with the condition that the maximum assistance can be rupees 50 crore per project. The taken Waste-to-Energy, and upcoming project situated less than a kilometer from Okla Waste-to-Energy plant, got a grant of over Rs 100 crore under the Swachh Bharat mission and Rs. 52 crores from the power ministry. The South Delhi Municipal Corporation also promised financial assistance of Rs. 125 crores to the bidder. Thus, public money is being used to finance a poisonous technology that accrues benefit only to the company installing the plant. Ignoring all of this, the South Delhi Municipal Corporation is ready to expand the Okla plant to double its capacity. Even though the ratio of waste Fit for processing at waste to energy is only 10% of the waste generated in Delhi. This is because waste to energy plants are only fit for burning non biodegradable waste with high calorific content. Delhi's three waste to energy plants have the capacity to treat 56% of the city's waste. But where is this waste going to come from? In lieu of these facts, the government's plans to increase capacity of the Okla Waste-to-Energy plant by another thousand to 1,200 tons per day is a decision that just does not add up. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more news and analysis, check out our website www.senfa.org and keep listening to Yumi and the Economy.